Go, yeah. Great. Well, good afternoon to you. This is Alan Seymour here, your host on the All In Sports platform. Delighted today on my Future of Sport show to introduce... Um, a guy I've not met yet, I've heard a lot about him, is Andy Costigan. And there's going to be a, a little pause here to all my audience. You know, listen to the silence, because you are listening to this live and for real. Because Andy is Whisper It and Evertonian. And I know, I know that that might cause a few alarms to my great big Liverpool football club following, but we're all in this together. It's great to have you on the show, Andy. So tell us a little bit about Andy Costigan. Pleasure, Alan. Pleasure <laughs> to be here. And, uh, and trust me, as an Evertonian, we don't all put it against you guys for being somewhat misguided in your uh, footballing allegiance. <laughs> it's, as far as myself goes, um, born and raised in Manchester, um, Started following Everton round about. I, I began to began to fall in love with Everton probably the '66 Cup final season. Yeah. And the first game was in the '69-70 Championship season. I remember it like it was yesterday. Uh, it was a 5-2 victory over Chelsea. It was raining. It was March, I think it was March the 29th, 1970. Everton scored inside 14 seconds. Chelsea hadn't even touched the ball. Howard Kendall scored straight from the kickoff. Ball, he made it 2-0 by three minutes. And it was 3-0 at half-time. They added two more to go 5-0 up and then eased up and let Chelsea score two to give it a little bit of respectability. I got absolutely drenched. It was one of the best days of my young life at that time. I mean, Andy, I'm going to pause because I know you'd probably want to go on and on and on and I'm going to allow you to. But to all my audience there, just listen to the intensity, the passion, the memories. I mean, what great story to start the show off today because football gives you those memories. And I think that above all else is a great indicator for what I talk about here on my show, the future of sport and anybody who's involved in it from a business, a communication and particularly uh, as a fan. The School of Science, obviously, you know, Harvey Ball, Kendall. Do you think football for you, though, as a fan particularly, Andy, has changed from those great halcyon days of the 60s and 70s? Oh, Alan, massively, massively. Back then... You know, I, re I remember, seriously, I remember that day, like I said, like it was yesterday. It was raining. There was 53,000 in Goodison that day. The new, the, the main stand was only a quarter built, but the place was rammed, and it was raining. Um, and nobody, nobody bothered that it would, it would rain. You know, I was stood on the Gladys Street terracing. My first time at Goodison, I was 13 years of age, and I'd come over on the train from Manchester to Liverpool, and it, 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 you know, it, it, the, the weather didn't matter, nothing mattered. I was there watching a team that had, that had, had bitten me, um, and these days I see youngsters going to football. These days I talk to. There's a lad who I work with at the moment, he's only 17 and yeah. he goes to football, but there's such a sense of entitlement about them these days. And, and I, I really don't like 
putting it like, like that, but it, it, but it's true. Back in the day, people went to football because they loved the game. They loved the players. We felt connected to the players. And these days, that connection, I don't think it's there. They're, they're so remote. They're so aloof. And I, I guess it's wrong to pigeonhole it all down to money. But the, 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 the amount of money that's involved in the game these days is, you know, I, I find it obscene, I really do. It, it, it's just ridiculous the amount of money that's involved. But, but that's the way the game's evolved, and I suppose we have to evolve with it. You know, we're not going to go back to flat caps on the terraces. Uh, we're probably not going to go back to standing on the terraces, yeah. except in, you know, maybe the odd... Um, the odd small section here and there, but yeah. those days of the swaying and the crushing and the and the passion on the terraces, it's it's gone. You know, people talk about atmosphere in football these days. It's nothing like what it used to be back in the sixties, the seventies, the eighties. You know, the, the game has improved in many ways. You know, we've got rid of the hooliganism uh, and and stuff like that, but. It, it still grabs me football, it really does. I love going every every game I can get to. I go, I'm still a season ticket holder at yeah. Goodison. I go every every home game, come rain, come shine. But it's not quite the same as it used to be. Um, when the, the camaraderie isn't quite there because everybody wants everything now. You know, there's a guy sits behind me at Goodison. And we talk every game, we have a chat, you know, how are you doing, how's your week been, da di da da But once the game starts, he changes and he becomes a moaner. And he's <laughs> all day, all game, he's in the ear all. Last season he moaned about Lukaku, he moaned about Barkley. And we've sold Lukaku and Barkley's injured and could well be on his way. And I found myself nearly saying to him at the last home game, who are you going to moan about this week, this year, pal? <laughs> You know. I, I mean, can I just, I mean, there's so many pause points for me there, but it was great to hear you keep going and keep going, because again, a fan is, is you know, he is what Andy Costigan is obviously saying to me, to my audience today, but the fan is a lot, lot more, and I, I just want to pick up on a few things, and then we'll kind of segue out and go into uh, Andy Costigan, maybe outside the football arena, so to speak, but let me let me just pick up on a couple of things, I am just like you, Andy, you know, we, we might share different football clubs, but I think we share very much, maybe it's our, our heritage and our tradition and those things that we've talked about, but I pick up on a great point you make, entitlement, you know, it may be because I'm in education as well as sports, sometimes the one thing that I always, you know, really sit down on, and, and I'm quite brutal with it, that if a student believes that just by turning up, you know, he's going to get his degree, he's going to get his education, it's a two-way process, there's no such thing as Absolutely. entitlement, you've got to earn respect, you've got to be a partner, and I think a lot of people, and I should, you know, I'll, I'll be bold here and say, too many Liverpool fans that are in my timeline every day, I'm sick of them a lot of the time, because they're putting out as ITKs in the know or fake news or we do, we do this, you know, he's the, these are the guys that sit behind you at Goodison every week, accept what you've got, enjoy the moment, believe in your club and the great traditions that both our football clubs have and everything should be much, much better 
because of that. Let's talk about Andy Costigan then outside the football club because one of the things that interests me, I know a little bit about your connections with lots of the people I'm talking to over the coming weeks, uh, your brother no doubt in, in, in the fullness of time and one or, one or two other things. But you make another, another very interesting point for my show, Andy. You know, I've got great connections in America. Americans, you know, I probably can relate to FSG with Liverpool Football Club here. That You know, they, they made a mistake in one sense in calling Liverpool Football Club a product, which it clearly isn't. But the commercialisation and the necessity for sport as entertainment, because there's no doubt that one of the big improvements is the quality of all things connected with football, the stadium, the experience and some of those things. Now, a lot of fans might not agree with that or want that. But but I think that is, as Rafa would famously say, that's a fact. And, you know, you, you can't escape from it. But away from football, what is your thing, Andy, sport, entertainment? Tell us a little bit about some of the things that you're interested in and do. Well, from, from, as, a, as a person, from a relaxation point of view, Alan, um, I'm a keen fisherman. OK. Um, I like to go fishing, coarse bit fishing, um, Years ago, I used to do quite a lot of match fishing competitively, but these days I just fish for purely for pleasure. Um, I find it a great way to relax and unwind. You know, I can sit in the fresh air, watch the birds, and, and if a fish comes along and takes the bait, so much the better. Um, but I find that's, that, that's, that's my release is going fishing, and I can just relax and enjoy a bit of peace peace and quiet and hopefully a bit of bird life and, and nature surrounding Is that where some of your Greenpeace connections come from, Andy? It, it is really. I mean, the, the, the Greenpeace thing, I've always been, um, I'm very keen on wildlife. I mean, funnily enough, once, once we finish this, Alan, my job this morning is to fill all the feeders in the garden. We've got about 25 bird feeding stations okay. in the garden. Um, and they're all looking a, li a little bit empty this morning, <laughs> yeah. but, but there you go. But no, the, the, the Greenpeace thing, I, I just think that, you know, over the last hundred years or so, that man has done so much damage to the planet, and it's time that everybody kind of woke up, smelt the coffee, and said, right, we're going to stop dropping litter, yeah. we're going to stop pouring rubbish into the sea, we're going to stop chopping down third world rainforest needlessly to produce palm oil and destroying the habitat for the orangutans the, the, the plans to drill in the Amazon basin for oil good god give me a break will you we're all trying to get away from fossil fuel fuels in cars etc etc et and, and that's what fuels the passion for Greenpeace and, and, and greener ecological activities and, and stuff like that I'm, I'm keen on that and I wish I wish I was more academically endowed so that I could actually get involved okay. in, in a much more productive way, if you like. I think it's quite interesting, can I only just in, in, interject a little bit there, because I think it's like, you know, it's it, it's a requirement, or let's move and campaign, and I think there are lots of, you know, sport can be a vehicle for good, and I'm a massive believer like yourself in things like corporate social responsibility, and taking up the mantle, you know, to, to fight causes, you know, one of my passions is, you know, more women in sport coverage, and, and, yeah. and things that really, I think, do matter, 
And, you know, people can sit back and say, we can't do things, we can't change things. But yes, we can. And the more people, and it, it requires all all human beings, if you like, and all different stakeholders and sectors to get involved in it. You know, I mean, you you would probably relate very much, and, and, and I'm going to try and do an interview with them in the coming months, uh, uh, some people at Forest Green Rovers, you know, with their complete kind of eco and uh, friendly, green friendly uh, football club and everything that they do. Could you see that happening a lot more in sports clubs, uh, Andy? I, I think... Um in a short, a very short answer would be yes, and I think if the fans demand it, then it's up clubs to react. I mean, I saw the initiative that Arsenal are, are, are trying to make the, the Emirates yeah. um, completely um, renewable energy. Fantastic, a great initiative. Yeah. You know, and on the back of that, I actually tweeted to Dan Mice, the guy who's designing the Bramley Moor Dock Stadium for Everton. Right. You know, I hope you're going to make Bramley Moor Dock as energy efficient and hopefully renewable as possible you know we're on the banks of the Mersey surely we can incorporate some wave power There's, I, I defy anyone to name me a day when the wind doesn't blow right. so let's have some wind turbines and stick some solar panels all over the roof and let's make the new stadium as energy efficient and hopefully totally self-sufficient energy wise as possible you know everybody not you know not just in sport in every walk of life we, we've all got to try and do that little bit more to to help and protect and, and to some degree save the planet you know I mean, can I, again, also, you know, the intensity and the passion and the belief here, and I think sport always has given this, you know, we're, we're naturally not tribal, but maybe we are tribal, you know, the following of our devoted and, you know, uh, the, the clubs that we all support. But outside that, you know, you've mentioned Arsenal here, you know, and, and I've mentioned Forest Green Rovers. And there are so many things that, you know, sport is very good at. And, you know, sport should be seen very much as as kind of this vehicle for good so i think it's great to be able to talk about something like this uh, and, and and kind of ensure that we can look at the future i mean my show is called the future of sport and i think the trends and the necessity in sport to look a little bit more outside the normal sphere of you know it's just a 90-minute game after all. No, it isn't. It can be a lot, lot more. And I think nothing more, um, you know, the guiding principle of a lot of the, co the comments that we've had in this interview today, Andy, have, have kind of delivered on that. Can I just move on a little bit? Because another interesting aspect of, of your portfolio or, or, or kind of the things that uh, you are very interested in, I've drawn to, is that you clearly write for Everton Football Club, the grand old club, I think, or the grand old team, Tell us a little bit about some of the articles and some of the uh, perhaps content there, and if it can touch upon maybe some great examples of some, you know, funny or entertaining stories or things that you've written about in your time doing that, Andy. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I've always I've always liked writing. I mean, just if, before we get on to the grand old team involvement, okay. yeah, I, I, I was heavily I was heavily involved in, in professional ice hockey for many many years. Um, I, initially as a fan and then I, I, I got the chance to, to write um, program material okay. for a couple of clubs and then that progressed into writing for a couple of uh, um, hockey magazines and it eventually led me to, to work doing some work for the BBC in radio 
commentary, live commentary. Um, and I, I got so heavily involved in hockey, I ended up as general manager of a club right. for a couple of years. Um, but I've always enjoyed writing and it, talking to people and doing player interviews and stuff like that. And and so when I, when I joined, uh, when I became a reader of Grand Old Team, uh, which is a fabulous fan, independent from the club, okay. fan uh, website, uh, and, a, and particularly the forum, which which um, kind of goes from one extreme to the other. Sometimes it's nauseatingly boring, <laughs> and other times it's hilariously funny. Um, and, and there's a serious, there's some very, very serious threads on, on the Grand Old Team Forum, which are absolutely fantastic. And one of them in particular is a thread about mental health and depression that has drawn plaudits from right across the medical world um, and it's it's even been recognised politically um, at, the, at the highest level, and it's a fabulous, fabulous thread. And, and for anyone that's got any mental health or depression issues, I would seriously point them at the Grand Old Team thread, particularly for that. And it doesn't matter what what footballing or sporting. Uh, interest you've got, everybody is welcome there, it's an amazing, amazing thread and I thoroughly recommend anybody to it, but getting on to my involvement with the writing um, the, 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 the website encourages fans who, who've got a, a writing bent about them to, to send in articles and so I've, I started submitting them a couple of years ago um, and then when we started doing um, regular match reports, I've kind of taken on that mantle and I do a match report for every game now um, and we have a, a man of the match vote, etc, etc and that, those go down really well, they've been well received because not everybody gets to see the game and the worldwide fan base some of them aren't able to stream the games live or whatever so they're able to catch up and, and that gives me a great sense of fulfilment people reading the match reports and, and enjoying them hopefully but, but then we, we, I try to write the occasional feature article as well, uh, and I posed a few questions, like a couple, one a couple of years ago was whether we, we were getting full mileage out of Leighton Baines, should Leighton Baines have moved purely from being a left-back into a more midfield role, right. um, in the way that Philip Bland did for Bayern Munich and Germany, because yeah. um, they've got an extra couple of years out of it career back, moving him forward, up the pitch a little bit more. Um, I wrote one about Johnny Stones when Johnny Stones yeah. was looking at going to Man City and, you know, and, we, you know, we just asked the questions, you know, what was his best position? Is it a, is it a defender? Is he, is he a centre-half? I don't think he is. I think he's a defensive midfielder because he's a footballer. Yeah. And he... he I just posed the question that maybe he'd be better playing a little bit further forward as well. But then we try and inject a little bit of humour. Um, and there was this one I published uh, a couple of months ago, which is a true story. And it was a recollection going back to the 1970s when I was at school. And um, it was in the days of the, the, the three-day week and, okay. and power strikes, etc., etc., and Everton had to play at Man United, and they moved the game to a Wednesday afternoon, to, obviously, so they wouldn't have to put the floodlights on. Yeah. And uh, at ta I was at school at the time, and on the day, something in the region of about three or three to four hundred 
uh, lads from the school I was at wagged the afternoon <laughs> off school to go to Old Trafford. Most of them obviously were Man United fans because I was at school in Salford. Yeah. And I'll give the school a plug, Salford Grammar. Right. A great, a great school right. back in the day. Loved it. Great Brilliant. fun. Um, uh, totally nosed up my education, but there you go. We had we had a laugh at the time. Yeah. And and hundreds of us went to the game. And the following day, the following day at assembly in school, the headmaster was there. He was fuming, absolutely fuming. And he, he insisted everybody who who'd missed school the previous afternoon stay behind. And he then quizzed us, where were you? And he literally went pupil to pupil to pupil. Where were you yesterday? Sir, I was at the doctor's. Sir, I was at the dentist. Sir, I was at the doctor. Sir, I was at the dentist. Well, I was about five rows back from the front. And the metronomic boringness of this of these answers sent me to sleep. And when he came to me, he went, where were you, Costi? Uh, sir, I was at the dentist. Uh, no, the doctor's. Oh, oh, sir, I was at the match. I'm a blue. You know that. <laughs> <laughs> and he said, Costigan, you can go to your class. And he turned to the other two or three hundred lads who were in the assembly and he said, he's the only one who's told the truth. The rest of you are doing 500 lines. <laughs> I, I mean, it, it is such, I, know, I mean, it's a resonant story to me. Um, being in education for a large part of my career and, you know, the stories that I could relate for people not handing their work in and, you know, the classic, you know, the dogs chewed up my uh, essay or whatever. Can I, we're sadly, you know, approaching a close on this interview and, and this kind of conversation is a conversation for life, Andy. So no matter what else happens out of this interview, there'll be lots more uh, accessories to go with it over the coming weeks, months and however long uh, we can stay connected. Connected, Andy, but I'm fascinated and really, really pleased that you've been able to give us some of the insights. Tell us a little bit, maybe uh, as a closing thing uh, or as some closing thoughts, maybe. You know, the future of sport. Social media is playing a massive part. We've already kind of touched upon it. Fans' opinions. I love fans' opinions. You know, you've put a few forward here. You know, John Stones, could he have been a a David Louise or a a Beckenbauer? You know, you can talk about lots of different, you know, analogies and you would draw on them, you know. And and I think that's all part of the game. And long may it continue. But the moment somebody says something that isn't of of the same opinion as somebody else, the danger with something like social media, and I'm a massive fan, I've used it to great effect, is it immediately causes antagonism, it immediately causes abuse, and so on and so forth. And that's not acceptable. So maybe, what what do you think are some of the, the things that can help football clubs, maybe? And I'm thinking particularly to get more people involved, the stakeholders, because I'm quite fascinated. I used to play a lot of non-league football in my time in Liverpool and, and, and Cheshire. And I've kind of brought a connection into a couple of non-league clubs in Liverpool. Uh, Remka is one, and City of Liverpool is another. Because Liverpool has never really had good non-league t- good non-league teams if you like to follow and maybe the future of lots of sports as as you suggested right at the beginning to get more people uh, involved in lots of other ways so as a close some predictions maybe or some thoughts on how maybe your own club but maybe other clubs in communities can attract more fans to be followers of the beautiful game Andy it's it's a it's a that's a massive, uh, massive question, Alan. It yeah. really is, and I think, I think in a nutshell, the the, the big clubs, the big prof- 
professional clubs, the Everton, the Liverpools, the Man Uniteds, the Man Citys, you know, the big clubs in London, they, I think they all need to try and remember from where they came. Brilliant. Because I, I, I really do. I mean, I mean, I look at Man United. You know, they came from Newton Heath. Yeah. And they're at Old Trafford. You know, there's, there's millions of Man United fans who don't know that they came from Newton Heath. That they really are, and you know, I just think that they can. All the clubs could make more of their history um, and how the clubs built and developed. And you know, there's, there's lots of stuff on the internet. There's lots of sites, and, and there's lots of books been written. But if the clubs themselves actually took their story out into the schools yeah. and out out into the community uh, and got involved with the people more on a face-to-face level and, and, and got involved that way, I'm sure that could help bring more fans to the games rather than just being armchair fans watching on Sky and BT or whatever. I mean, that point you make there, Andy, about armchair fans, and, you know, I think, you know, I've seen some great examples over the last few weeks, one matter at uh, Man U, for example, and, and there are lots of others like him, and some clubs occasionally you know, donate their salaries. I mean, I had uh, a guy you might know from uh, Square Chapel Arts, um, David Garrett, was talking about how Exeter City, you know, funded a player's wage and lots of things that can happen and it's just this get away from this disconnect and make more real uh, connections with with the fans and and clearly you know that kind of connection is very essential before I let you go Andy it's been a great great privilege today some great comments there some great commentary between us just give us some final thoughts maybe about Everton going forward maybe about some of the um, ideas maybe you've got for future writing projects for the football club and any shout-outs that you want to give and how people can contact you, Andy. Right, cheers. Well, Alan, um, I I haven't actually got anything in mind for a next article yet. I tend to to write on the spur of a moment. Something will jump into my head and then I'll, I'll, I'll sit down and churn something out. Um, I, I don't plan the writing as such. I wish I could, actually. Um, I, I really do wish I could, but I tend to react to something. Somebody will say something to me one day, and it will just light a spark in me. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll, I'll sit down and bang out a thousand words, and then I'll sit polish it, and it, it, inevitably it, it increases. Uh, I always thought the idea of polishing an article was to cut out the rubbish, but I seem to add more to it. But anyway, that's by the by. Um, <laughs> where, 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 where do I see Everton going? Oh, in the heart of heart, in, in, in the dreams, I want to see us Champions League, Champions of Europe, World Champions, <laughs> Intergalactic Champions. Yeah. Um, in the short term, I think this year, I think that there is some pressure on the club. Um, to deliver this year and I don't just mean deliver in terms of a little bit more improvement on last year's seventh place I think there is pressure now from the fan base to actually deliver a piece of silverware it's yeah. been far too long for Everton Football Club to be without silverware and that sounds like a sense of entitlement creeping in it, it isn't really 
but for a club of, of Everton's stature and size in the game, um, 20 odd years without a piece of silverware, it's almost criminal. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and, that, and that's far too strong a statement as well, and I appreciate that. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I say, you know, I, I just I want to see Everton win another league title in my time. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully I've got a good few years left because it might take a good <laughs> for him to get there because that, the, there is still a gap. We've spent an awful lot of money this season. Yep. Uh, this summer in the window, but we're still, you know, there's still a gap. Do you think you've spent that money wisely, Andy? I know, again, it might be a provocative question. Is it has, has it been spent wisely? Do you think? I mean, time will tell. I, I think, obviously, yeah, time will tell. I mean, I think the signing of Jordan Pickford for a for a then record Agreed. fee yep. was an inspired sign. Agreed. I really do. Yeah. Um, you know, people would say it was a gamble. It was a lot of money. I think this kid and uh, the, the lad that stole Butland, yeah. I think if England aren't making those two a latter-day Shilton and Clements goalkeeping combination, yeah. then, then the FA and the England set up what their bumps fit yeah. feeling. No disrespect to Joe Hartman. Come on, we're looking for the future. It's got to be Butland and Pickford, isn't it? Fighting for the one and two in the same way that Ray Clements and Peter Shilton did. Yeah. Um, Michael Keane, again, a great signing. Uh, I liked him at Burnley. Uh, he seems to have settled in very, very quickly at Goodison. I'm very pleased with him. The jury is a little bit still out on Davy Classen, the, the, the lad who came in from Ajax. Uh, he's all energy. Uh, he makes good movement. His first touch could be a little bit better, but I think, you know, I think given a, given a season, he'll be fine. Sigurdsson, we all know. Uh, the deal dragged on a bit too long. Possibly be 45 million. Is it a bit too much? I don't know. We'll see. We know he's a proven player in the division. So I think, you know, in, in view of some of the other money that's been banded around, 45 million might actually be considered, yeah. you know, a decent price. Um, Sandro, the, the lad who's coming from uh, Malaga, 5 million. 5 million to steal in these days. Yeah. If, he gets, if he gets 8, 9, 10 goals this season, that'll be money well spent. And, and then, of course, there's the return of Rooney. <laughs> now, 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 I think I need to stop here, not least because we're kind of almost running out of time, and I know how everything goes, but I didn't want to mention the uh, the Rooney factor, but we'll part that. He's had a great career. I'm no doubt, I'm sure that he'll continue yeah. to deliver on your front. But listen, Andy, it's been a pleasure, a real pleasure. We're going to sign off now. How can people contact you, Andy? What's the best way to make a direct contact with Andy Costigan? Uh, uh, I'm, on, I'm on Skype at Andy.Costigan1. I'm on Twitter at AndyCostigan1. Um, uh, you know, and, and you can get me on Grand Old Team. I'm Andy C, with no gap between the Andy and the C. Um, I'm happy to talk to anybody about anything, football, cricket, fishing, ice hockey, uh, just about anything. And if I can give a plug... Yeah, please do. Um, my brother, George, who I hope you do get on your show one day because you'll have a, a ball with George. Um, he, he's my older brother. He's a great actor. He's written a fabulous novel called The Single Soldier. Yep. I encourage everybody to go out and buy The Single Soldier. It's an enormous book, but it's a fantastic read. And get it now because there's going to be a sequel... 
Um, and a, a couple of shouts out. I know there's another guy that I hope you're going to talk to in the near future, a guy called the Esk. Yeah. Um, you'll have a whale of a time with the Esk. His, his history with Everton Football Club is massively storied. You'll have a great time with him. And he'll talk to you about business big time. Um, and a final shout out um, is for Sophia, the lady who put me and you together. Uh, tremendously nice lady. I thank her for the introduction. Um, and it's been an absolute pleasure, Alan. I've really enjoyed it. Andy, it's always great to get the reciprocal and the, and the kind of shout-outs of engagements. You know, we are a family. Sport brings people together, and I think this interview has been a classic and a real example for good in that regard. Great to talk to you, Andy. Keep in touch, and we'll speak again soon. Many thanks, Andy. Absolute, absolute, absolute pleasure, Alan. Thank you for the opportunity. Andy?